0: Broadcasting from the Knapsack File Studios in Studio City, California. This is Spotlight Star Wars, and I am your host, Ken Knapsack. Broadcasting on a Fourth of July weekend. So happy Fourth for you if you're listening in America. To the other countries that uh, do listen um, to my work, I appreciate it. Number one, I love the international feel and flavor to my audience. But uh, you know, I can't necessarily say Happy Fourth to you happy saturday or happy whatever day it is we are here talking and uh, diving and pontificating into star wars and about star wars as we always do on spotlight star wars and um a lot to talk about had a lot of fun on jedi alliance this past week uh asking one of the most important questions and that is of course did qui-gon jinn and shmi skywalker get it on uh Joseph Scrimshaw Mark Donica, and I had a had one of my favorite discussions in the uh 45 episode history of Jedi lines and I think we're c- going to continue to have that discussion on the show um with other guests I think it's a it's one of the most important Star Wars questions whether you like the prequels or not did Qui-Gon Jinn and Shmi just do more than share glances on Tatooine uh, where there's some deleted scenes that we did not see. And some stuff I, of course, think they absolutely got it on. They absolutely wanted to get it on. I think Qui-Gon Jinn is a Jedi who plays by his own rules at times. I think he uh, hangs with uh, Quinlan Voss and Jedi Master zipho and even his former... Uh, Master Dooku, I think they all kind of were on the outside of the uh, Force a little bit. No, not the Force, but outside of the Jedi Council. And I think they shared a beer every once in a while, if you know what I mean. And uh, when Qui-Gon got to Tatooine and found Shmi Skywalker, it uh, it wasn't love at first sight. I don't even think it was lust at first sight. I think it was too... Kindred souls who have been traveling and slave laboring through the galaxy all by themselves. And when they looked at each other's sun-crusted eyes there on Tatooine, they found... They found solace in each other, and I think they both knew it wasn't going to last. I think they put little Annie to bed, turned off C-3PO, told Jar Jar to go into town and pick up some food, uh, waited for Padme to uh, stop writing in her diary and fall asleep, and then they they shared a long embrace that turned into a night they both would remember. That's right, talking about Qui-Gon Jinn having sex Wish me Skywalker. I think it's the part of Star Wars, the Phantom Menace, we all knew and and perhaps wanted to have happen. And that's the fun we've been having on Jedi Alliance here. Uh, thank you uh, for those people who've been listening to that show as it continues to move and grow and change as always. Uh, stay with the show. It is fun. Um, I have not had a chance to catch up on the Marvel Comics I'm holding in my hand Darth Vader number seven and Princess Leia number five, which I do believe ends this series. I'm looking forward to to reading it a little bit later this weekend. Got some stuff to do. Um, Wow. Okay. Sorry. Uh, This is what happens when I record the show live to tape. I'm flipping through uh, issue five of Mark Waid's Princess Leia comic for Marvel, and uh, one of the first things I see is a nice, nice advertisement. For a uh, new Lego set, which is the Imperial Shuttle, the uh, Shuttle Tiderium, actually, because it's got Han and Chewie in it. Wow, that is a Lego set I want. I tell you, I am going to lose a lot of money uh, over the course of uh, my lifetime from this point on, not counting the money I already have lost on Star Wars Legos. Also looking at the, on the back, it has the uh, Luke Skywalker and Wampa Black Series figure set. I'm going to have to buy that, which also means I'm going to have to buy the Han Solo on the Tauntaun finally. And then uh, my uh, friend, director and writer Joel Trudgeon, a longtime friend of mine from high school, actually uh, moved down to L.A. with me. Uh, He, the other morning, texted me a nice picture of the Lego set they got that is the Emperor's Throne Room set, which has the Emperor, Darth Vader, and Luke and their lightsabers and uh, two Emperor's Royal Guards. Uh, price point is $79.99. That is not a bad price indeed, and I'm going to have to pick up that one. Dear God, will it ever stop? Will it ever stop? Uh, Regarding the Princess Leia comic, it comes to an end with this one, a five-issue run. To some, that might be disappointing. To me, I think it was a good idea to see what you could do with this character. It was a little bit of a weird and different take on the post-New Hope story, but I like a lot of things they did in it. I'm curious uh, what it is. Uh, You're probably asking, Ken, why don't you just pause your show and read these issues? Um, Nah. We're not going to do it that way. I'm going to enjoy my whiskey and record with you here. But I'm uh, looking forward to it. has been a long day. Just so you know, I, I do a lot of other things. And uh, I record this show after a long day of work, gym, life, the universe, and everything. Uh, and I do it because I love it. And I do it because I love you all. But uh, I didn't have time to read the comics today, all right? I had to rush over to the comic shop. You would all be proud of me because when I rushed into the comic... Oh, here it is. Sorry. Just turned to uh, the first advertisement inside Darth Vader issue seven, and it is in fact the advertisement or advertisement—I love saying it that way—for um, what I've just described: the Emperor's throne room lightsaber scene. Wow! Oh my! I don't have a Patreon or anything like that, or one of those Amazon wish lists, but I think I'm gonna—I think I'm gonna make one. On the the rare hope that I can trick one of you into buying this for me. Don't do it. When I ask for it, don't do it. That's horrible of me, but don't do it. But please, if you would. Um, All right, just scanning through issue seven. It looks good. Anyways, you would be proud of me. I walked into my comic shop today, which is Earth 2 over in Northridge. There's also Earth 2 in Sherman Oaks, but I go to the Northridge store. Chris is a fine manager over there, and I have a pull list there. I walk in, and they have got some of the new Black Series toys there, including Luke in Stormtrooper costume, and I need that one because I have the Han Solo in Stormtrooper outfit. And uh, I, I said costume, and I realized that's probably wrong. They also had the Emperor Black Series. And I picked it up, and I said to myself, well, we're obviously going to get this. But I had two weeks of comics I had to pick up, and I looked on the back, and the price was 30 bucks. It's a little bit high for the, for the price of the Black Series there. I could probably find one online a lot cheaper, but I like picking things up. I like getting them in my hand, and I like supporting my comic shop. So I'm thinking, do I get it? Do I get it? I gotta get it. The Emperor. There was only one. There was a plenty, plenty of the other ones. There's a lot of sad Tie fighter pilots now. They're becoming the the sad lobots of the Black Series, along with the Princess uh, Leia and Slave costume, which uh, uh, do not sell. Oh, by the way, I haven't even picked one up because I just feel bad. I just don't want to get one. I don't. I there's something really kind of icky about that figure. I don't know what it is. Pr- slave. Slave Leia is is one of the most iconic things of the '80s, just pop culture wise. I've said it before; it's a lot of a Slave Leia. It was it was part of a lot of young men's uh, and probably some women's too sexual awakenings in the '80s. Um, lampooned quite greatly on on Friends with David Schwimmer's uh, character Ross. Uh, wanting Jennifer Aniston to dress up in that character. It's a very, it's it's kind of a linchpin thing in your youth. like The first time you kind of go, whoa, what's going on in my pants here? Uh, Leia's in a, a steel bikini. But of course, as you get older, you realize that's kind of, it's a slave girl. Ula was there before. Princess Leia's now trapped, and she's made to be a slave in a at uh, a costume that's revealing, and it's against her will. And she's chained up. She's made to do God knows what for Jabba. I mean, it's not a good thing. It is. A, and I have I have a I have a shirt. I wear it occasionally. It's a Star Wars shirt, and it has it has a slave Leia uh, image on it, though it's, her face is kind of removed, covered up. It's not meant to be her, but it's it's her, and it and it's making it's like a strip club shirt. And I remember getting it early on, going, Ah, it's pretty funny. I gotta admit, I don't wear it as much anymore because as I've gotten older, wiser, more mature, as I buy toys, I can't be more mature. But as I've just, I guess, I've just become aware of the fact that we've been celebrating this essentially sex slave ensemble i get it why why as a kid you don't know but as you get older i think there's just a certain responsibility you have to not perpetuate this thing of 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 sexualizing a pretty bad thing for that character it's a bad thing job is not a good guy and you're trapped in a still bikini on his lap with Sally B Crumb going <laughs> I, I it's not a good thing so i have not picked up a black series slave leia i i might one day just to complete the collection i i don't know i don't know it's kind of weird so when i go to target and i see 14 slave leia's sitting there on the shelves alone it 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 it, i don't know it tells me something maybe maybe the rest of you kind of feeling that way too i don't know i digress i had this emperor in my hand 30 bucks was the price point and i'm thinking do i do it do i do it and i didn't i put it down and I need the Emperor to complete my wall design where I have Vader and, and Jedi Luke uh, above my bedroom wall. They're, 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 they're displayed up there in the case. I need the Emperor. That's the scene. I'll get it eventually, maybe at a lower price point. But I think the point is you would be proud of me for showing a little bit of uh, patience and uh, not throwing my money away so quickly. One of the reasons, of course, I'm doing that is, uh, is I'm saving for Comic-Con, where I'll probably end up buying it there for 40 Uh Anyways, what I wanted to talk about in detail this week – well, not detail. The Spotlight Star Wars isn't always about detail. I don't plan the show. Jedi Alliance, mind you, is, is planned out. If you watch that on the Popcorn Talk or listen to it on iTunes – that show was formatted and, and is planned out. I spend about three hours on Sunday morning prepping for that show. I do not have a day off. When you factor in schmoes, my podcast, day job, uh, all that stuff. I do not have a day off ever. I haven't had a real day off outside of three days I took off in, in March, uh, uh, excuse me, late April. I haven't had one since August 4th, since I started Jedi Lions in 2014. I've been running ragged. So Spotlight Star Wars is for the record, just me opening up the microphone and figuring it out as I go along. That's why there's some stumbles. That's why there's some slurs. That's why I drink some whiskey while I do it. That's why I'm usually alone in my apartment on a Friday night recording the show because I love to talk about Star Wars and share it with you, my fans. And I love, when I post this, I try to get this done Friday night and I get it out early Saturday morning so that when I wake up, from uh, going to bed alone, drunk, uh, on a Friday night, I wake up to find some really nice tweets. So please follow me at Ken Napsock, and tweet uh, anything you want after you hear this show and hashtag it SpotlightStarWars. And uh, I'll get to it, man. Uh, it, 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 if I just give it a star, know that I've read it. If I, if I respond to it, I've had the time to. Or if I've just read it and I didn't have the chance to react to it right away, just know I read every single one of them. And I appreciate it. What I wanted to talk about tonight, and this is the most... I say all that because this is the most I've prepped for any uh, of my Spotlight Star Wars episodes... here on the Knapsock Files podcast feed. I mentioned it a little bit last week's episode when I was talking about Mustafar... and how I like Mustafar, and it's one of the things of the prequels I think we all can agree is pretty darn good. And we don't give it enough credit. And uh, in that, I mentioned the Return of the Jedi novelization and how there's some reference to uh, a lava planet or molten pit or stuff like that. And as, uh, I, as luck would have it, that during that last week, I was cleaning out my apartment, which is uh, rare for me to do. And I stumbled onto a box that I, I have a lot of boxes, plastic boxes, uh, in my car, in my apartment, at my friend's house. Um, probably some ex-girlfriends. I have so, many, uh, so much stuff at my parents' house, everywhere. It's just all around Southern California are plastic boxes of my stuff. Magazines. Figures, toys, keepsakes. And in this one particular box, I found my three original copies of the paperback editions of the Star Wars novelizations. So I have, I'm holding it right now. You can hear that sound. Hear that sound? That is the crinkly old yellow pages of the Star Wars novelization. Uh, From Del Rey Books, it is uh, uh, by, wink wink, George Lucas, Star Wars, from The Adventures of Luke Skywalker, a novel by George Lucas. Now, as you all know now, or you should know, George Lucas did not write this book, Uh, though it was his story, certainly. Uh, This book was written by a man named Alan Dean Foster. Uh, who then wrote uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and then uh, from there uh, went on to a lot of other things. I just recently learned uh, on, on, while doing Far, Far Away with John Rocha and Joseph Scrimshaw that uh, Dean Foster did the novelizations of J.J. Abrams' uh, Star, Wars, uh, Star Trek books. So Abrams is bringing him in to do the novelization of The Force Awakens. That's one of my favorite things to hear. Alan Dean Foster did a spectacular job ghostwriting the Star Wars uh, novelization. Not called A New Hope, again, Star Wars from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker. If you have not had a chance to get this, you should get it. Uh, My good friend Tiffany Smith, for my birthday this past year, picked up uh, a re-release of these novels in one uh, hardbound copy, I have it. It looks great. I haven't opened it yet because uh, I just kind of want to keep it there clean for a while. Um, but I will because I want to kind of contrast and compare and make sure they didn't change anything. And because uh, because there's things in these books you've got to read. If you have not had a chance to get these books, go out and get that hard copy uh, the, with all three in one. Track it down. They're out there. Find them. You'll probably uh, go to eBay and get some of these old copies that I have Uh, These are copies that I've I've had since I was eight years old. Uh, Jedi coming out in 83. I probably did not get these books um, until uh, about 84, 85 at the latest. But I was a very uh, voracious reader, even at a very young age. First, second grade, I was reading books that uh, sixth graders would read. No, that doesn't make me smart. It just meant I started a life of solitude young. Whiskey time. So, uh, anyways, let's get to it. Star Wars, The Reventures of Luke Skywalker. You need to read the prologue. The prologue starts another galaxy another time. The old republic was the republic of legend, greater than distance or time. No need to note where it was or whence it came, only to know that it was the republic. It is great. If you just read this, you learn about the prequels or what Lucas kind of envisioned they would be. Some of the stuff is there. And, and we talk bad about the prequels because how the story was executed and the movies were made, and those are justifiable concerns and problems and jokes. But I always contend, and I have contend, that the story was kind of in place. Lucas mentioned planets like uh, uh, Naboo, and uh, um, Udipow, uh they were there a long time ago. And the character of Mace, Windy, not Windu, but Windy, was, uh, was in place long before A New Hope or Star Wars, as it was called then, hit the theaters in 77, long before he finalized the script. So in this prologue, there's some interesting things about Palpatine. Now I see things have changed over the years, but it, it reads aided and abetted by restless, power-hungry individuals within the government, the massive organ and the massive organs of commerce. The ambitious Senator Palpatine caused himself to be elected president of the Republic, or as we know it, Supreme Chancellor, and he promised to reunite the disaffected among the people and to restore the remembered glory of the Republic. Now, once secure in the office, he declared himself emperor, shutting himself away from the populace. Soon he was controlled by the very assistants and liquors he had appointed to high office, and the cries of the people for justice did not reach his ears. Now, if you read this, and I read this the first time, like I said, about 84, uh, it was like, who's this Palpatine guy? Oh, that's the emperor? The emperor's not named the emperor. That's not his Christian name. He came from something. It was, it was as a young youth, a wild youth. It was. It was. Oh, I, It was mind opening here. It was. It was eye opening. It was it kind of expanded your view of the story. The expanded universe did not really exist at this time and to me it took it all the same canon was not a word you spoke of there was the, the splinter of the mind's eye was uh, there and it was a little different and weird and we discussed that in far far away but then there was also a book i used to check out from the library every couple weeks at my element elementary school margaret harlow elementary in arroyo grande california and there was a book and it was like luke was at the God, i gotta track it down on the internet luke was at like the imperial academy or the rebel academy he was learning and it was him and a lot of like rookie X-Wing pilots and they were learning. It was like after the Death Star. So it was like he blew up the Death Star. Then he had to go learn how to do it right or something. Princess Leia was coming for a visit and there was like an asteroid and and, and Luke had to go save the day. And R2 was in it, I think. And this was an illustrated children's book that I used to check out around the time that I got this book. And to me, it was all the same. I did. It was all the same. This prologue is so interesting. Having exterminated through treachery and deception the Jedi Knights, guardians of justice in the galaxy, the imperial governors and bureaucrats prepared to institute a reign of terror among the disheartened worlds of the galaxy. And when it talks about aided and abetted by restless power-hungry individuals within the government and the massive organs of commerce, that's a Trade Federation right there. It, uh, it, it goes on with some great stuff. From the beginning, they were vastly outnumbered, but the systems held in thrall by the Emperor. They're talking about the rebels here. It says, uh, but a small number of systems rebelled at these new outrages, declaring themselves opposed to the new order. The new order. Now we have the First Order. They began the great battle to restore the old Republic. For the beginning, they were vastly outnumbered by the systems held in thrall by the Emperor. In those first dark days, it seemed certain the bright flame of resistance would be extinguished before it could cast the light of new truth across a galaxy of oppressed and beaten peoples. Rogue One, anyone? From the, from the first saga, Journal of the Wills. And when I read that as a kid in the first saga Journal of the Wills not knowing the story of how Lucas created it now it's accessible you could read Chris Taylor's great book How Star Wars Conquered the Universe and you can get the entire story of all the drafts that Lucas went to Yeah, you can get the Dark Horse comic series of The Star Wars where they take Lucas' uh, original draft of Star Wars or one of it and turn it into a comic book and you see a lot of this stuff and it talks about the Wills the Journal of the Wills it was supposed to be something else now we know this but that Back then in 1984 As a young kid I read that From the first saga Journal of the Wills And the Journal of the Wills Is italicized Which as you know Means it's a book title So I spent much of my youth going into, I've got to admit, the early 90s, going into used bookstores in my hometown trying to find a copy of Journal of the Wills. And I'd ask some people, do you have Journal of the Wills? It's like the Star Wars before the Star Wars. It's the history of the Republic and how the emperor became the emperor. And he was a senator called Palpatine. And people would look at me like, you're crazy, kid. That doesn't exist. And that's where I got it from right here in the prologue. And the prologue ends with an interesting quote. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Naturally, they became heroes. Leia Organa of Alderaan, Senator. That's a great prologue. You read that now as a Star Wars fan, as the galaxy has expanded and gone into legends and gone into canon and non-canon, whatever, all that stuff. It That prologue, Written by Alan Dean Foster, but influenced by the story of George Lucas. That says a lot about the prequels. Gosh, I haven't I haven't read that in years. I haven't had this prologue in my hands in years, and to read it again, it got me as excited about the vast history of Star Wars uh, as I was in 1984. I made some notes. Um, this uh, this it starts. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we now know as. Uh, uh, deleted scenes all through this book. Um, it starts like the movie does uh, with the 10 of 4 getting hit and all that kind of stuff. Um, madness. This is madness. This time will be destroyed for, for sure. Um, it's got 3P and R2. But chapter 2 goes into what we now know is uh, uh, deleted stuff from the story. It's Luke watching it. Luke Skywalker, and it says uh, he goes into uh, you know his, his little hangout there, and he's got his friends. And um, his uh, buddy Biggs shows up, and uh, that scene, you've seen those stills uh, that are out there. And uh, it talks about his uh, – I'm trying to get a Deke and Windy, Wormy, Cammy. I think Luke and Cammy kind of had a thing. And, um, and Biggs is there, man. Biggs is back. He says, Of course I got it. Signed to serve aboard the freighter Rand Ecliptic. Just last week, first mate Biggs Darklighter at your service. He performed a twisting salute, half serious and half humorous. That's Biggs, man. That is Biggs. And uh, Luke's trying to tell him about the rebellion, and they're like, Hey, kid, it ain't coming. And I remember reading that, and it's like, I'd seen the movie already. So I read this, and it's like, What? I was confused. Who's this Cami character? Who's Deke? Who's Windy? Who the hell's Wormy? Or back then, who the heck is Wormy? I love it. I love this book. You got to get a hold of it. And it's got the original uh, press photos. You can see them elsewhere. But if you uh, also at my school library at Margaret Harlow Elementary, they had the promotional book that was created by 20th Century Fox in the hopes to get people excited for Star Wars. And uh, it, it didn't really work. And, of course, Star Wars is like, the first movie to go to San Diego Comic-Con. About 75, 76, and go, hey, we got this stuff coming. You like it? No? Want a shirt? No? Okay. As I prep for Comic-Con next week, which is a an amazing and impressive and overwhelming undertaking, page 108 has Jabba talking with Han Solo, the most famous scene, I think, from... Star Wars, that we all knew was deleted and then came out in the mid 90s, and we went deleted again. Um, It's got that. I've got some other stuff marked in here. Uh, I don't want to take too long just reading this book to myself. You can go to, uh, we'll jump ahead to the Battle of of Yavin, and uh, we mentioned this, it's well known, but you have Blue Leader. Blue boys, he addressed his, in, uh, his internship pickup. This is blue leader. Adjust your selectors and check in. Approaching the target at 1.3. This is it, boys, he said in the mic, to the mic. Blue two, you're too far out. Close it up, wedge. Blue two, blue five. That's right. Luke Skywalker's famous red five was originally intended to be blue. I like red five better. But as with history, you look back and you think, what was always should have been. I'm jumping ahead there. They got some great stuff here. You can kind of get into uh, the minds of all the characters like any good book. But I'm taking you to the end here. Don't want to spoil it, but there's some changes. Princess Leia, she placed something heavy and golden around Solo's neck and then Chewbacca's. That's right. In the book, Chewbacca gets a medal. Long overlooked in the movie, Chewbacca, he got his medal. He got what he deserved in this one. And it ends... Do you want to know the ending? You're going to get it. It ends with uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia sharing a stare. That's right. He found his full attention occupied by the radiant Leia Organa. She noticed his unabashed stare, but this time she only smiled. That's the book of Star Wars from The Adventures of Luke Skywalker. Move on to um, Empire Strikes Back. Donald F. Glute wrote this book based on a story by George Lucas. I know as little about this one. Um, there's a lot of interesting things to, in it. There's a lot more wampas, of course. The Imperial droid kills a wampa. Did you know that? He kills a wampa. The, The little droid is moving around. He sees something in the snow. He goes up to it. The mound shook again with a roar that nearly destroyed the probe droid's auditory sensors. It zoomed back several meters, widening the space between it and the creature. The droid had never before encountered a wampa ice creature. Its computers advised that the beast be dealt with expeditiously the droid made an internal adjustment to regulate the potency of its laser beam less than a moment later the beam was at its maximum intensity the machine aimed the laser at the creature enveloping it in a great flaming and smoking cloud seconds later the few remaining particles of the wampa were swept away by the icy winds the droid destroyed that wampa The book starts, Empire Strikes Back does not, the novel does not start with a uh, great prologue or anything that uh, harkens back to the prequels, except for this. The first sentence says, Now this is what I call cold. Luke Skywalker's voice broke the silence he had observed since leaving the newly established rebel base hours earlier. Like father, like son... Now this is what I call pod racing. Now this is what I call cold. Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker are definitely father and son. I picked this book up, or probably uh, my... No, I think I used my allowance, but my mother was probably there with me. I got it at a store called Nan's pre Books, 1405 Grand Avenue, Royal Grande, California, 92420. Uh, I don't think Nan's Pre-Owned Books is still there. It was there for a very long time, though, even after I moved to L.A. That's where I picked up this book. So when you pick up a used book, you sometimes get inscriptions. And at the time, I, you know, you read them, and you know, I was young. I didn't think about it, but now here... Years later, the inscription of my Empire Strikes Back novel says, in very childlike cursive, to my dad on his 30th birthday, love, Debbie, happy birthday. I don't know who they are, but I have a piece of their history. Debbie, if you're out there and you gave the Empire Strikes Back (laughs) novel to your father on his 30th birthday, uh, I have your book. Skipping ahead to the scene where the Emperor says there is a grave disturbance in the falls. I have felt it, the Dark Lord replied. Um, the Emperor says our situation is most precarious. We have a new enemy could bring down our destruction. Our destruction? Who? The son of Skywalker. You must destroy him or he will be our undoing. Skywalker, Vader thought. The thought was impossible. How could the Emperor be concerned with this insignificant youth? He's not a Jedi, Vader reasoned. He's just a boy. Obi-Wan could not have taught, taught him so much. Um, that scene is uh, one of my favorite in the re-releases. Uh, I've talked about it a lot, and now we know because of some of the stuff done in the comics that maybe uh, Vader did know all the time. And uh, he was just kind of trying to play the Emperor when the Emperor's like, hey, it's this, you know, that Skywalker guy. But now we also, people pointed out and they tweeted to me, yes, at the beginning of Empire, uh, Vader did know that he was looking for Skywalker. He says it. Uh, fair enough. Good point. I still like the interplay between the Emperor and Vader, and I like that maybe uh, Vader's kind of stringing him along. But here, it kind of sounds sounds like Vader's, learning about it for the first time or connecting the dots and that and that changes that scene there um jumping ahead to the penultimate scene in empire strikes back nothing interestingly enough not much different this book is more and I do remember it is more of a direct uh just adaption of the uh of the movie script into a, into the story but there's nothing that uh, you learn different from vader revealing himself to luke as his father but there's definitely like with any book you get to get inside luke's head and there's some good stuff uh, about luke uh, learning that vader was his father and just how he went through that fight and how he went from confident to defeated um it's good stuff not gonna read it though because i want to move on to jedi sorry i'm getting lost in this book This is great. I might just read these all again soon, huh? I probably should do that before Force Awakens comes out, but there's so many other Star Wars books to read right now, and I say that a little frustrated. I am uh, about halfway through Dark Disciple. It is good. It is a little different at times, but it is very good. Um, Lords of the Sith still winning for me right now as the best new canon Star Wars novel. Star Wars Return of the Jedi. I have the special book club edition that I picked up at Nan's pre-owned Books, um, and this one's written by James Con. No, that, not that Con. It includes a fabulous eight-page color insert. Flip into that now. Oh, it's fabulous! Some of the promotional shots that you are all very familiar with of uh, Return of the Jedi are in there. What does the novel of Jedi reveal? By the way, this book is to Jackie from Chanda. Jackie and Chanda, I have your book. I bought it at Nan's pre Books years ago. Um, the prologue has one of—I've mentioned it before. People say, uh, Ken, why do you like Moff Ger Gerard, the insignificant Imperial Moff who ran the second Death Star and, quite frankly, probably ran it into the ground? I don't know, but I do like the guy, and one of the reasons was the novel, because in the book he's kinda excuse me, in the movie he comes across as kind of a bootlooker. He's kind of a guy that's just kind of running scared, not really knowing what he's doing, but not, not in the novel. Yeah, he's scared. All that stuff is still the dialogue's still the same, but it describes Ger Gerard. Uh they snap to attention as Moff Ger Gerard entered. Ger Gerard, tall, thin, Arrogant was a Death Star commander. He walked without hurry up the ranks of the soldiers to the ramp of the shuttle. Hurry was not in Ger Gerard, for hurry implied a wanting to be elsewhere, and he was a man who distinctively was exactly where he wanted to be. Great men never hurried, he was fond of saying. Great men cause others to hurry." And when I read that description of Moff Ger Gerard to me, to quote Cersei Lannister, power is power. And how you look and how you appear and how you act helps remind people and convince people that power is where power is perceived, as Varys would tell you. Game of Thrones, man, life lessons. But life lessons from Moff Jer Gerard. That is why I like that character. It is that passage. Great men never hurried. Great men cause others to hurry. want to know why I'm the pit boss on Schmoes? No, it has a lot to do with Moff Jer Gerard. Chapter one. That's the prologue. Chapter one starts with something that we are all now kind of learning as a deleted scene. It was something that we kind of knew existed, but it kind of popped into pop culture's forefront uh this past year as I heard more people talking about it than I've heard in many, many other years, and that is Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, builds his own lightsaber after losing his uh, an empire his uh, what was really essentially his father's lightsaber, and the book. Well, it was no secret if you read the book, it was there. It starts chapter one, outside the small adobe hut. The sandstorm wailed like a beast in agony, refusing to die. Inside, the sounds were muted and it goes on to describe tan hands holding arcane tools extended from the sleeves of a kaftan like robe the figure crouched on the ground working before him laid a discoid device of strange design wires trailing from it at one end symbols etched into its flat surface he connected the wired end to a tubular smooth handle pulled through an organic looking connector locked it in place with another tool he motioned to the shadow in the corner the shadow moved toward him the shadow being a little r2 unit luke skywalker is building his own lightsaber in the novel we knew it all along it wasn't a surprise to us not at all uh, a lot of stuff there a lot of stuff there interesting to note if you um if you read if you read uh, the game of thrones books before you saw the TV show, uh, I did for some, I didn't for some of it, as, as some of you may know. The the character of Theon Greyjoy goes through a transition, of course, becomes Reek. And on the show, it was very hard to hide because the moment you start, the moment you see Ramsay Snow and you see Theon captured, you know it's Theon. But in the book, of course with George R.R. R. Martin's writings. A lot of people, and I didn't have this opportunity, but a lot of people read that entire book not knowing that Reek was Theon. When it was revealed, they were as shocked as anything other uh, anything else revealed in the Game of Thrones series, Song of Ice and Fire. Same can be said if you read the Return of the Jedi novel before you saw the movie, when this bounty hunter named Bausch shows up and goes and gets Han Solo out of the carbonite. You had no idea who it was. The bounty hunter reached up and pulled the helmet away from his head, revealing underneath the beautiful face of Princess Leia. What? That's right. This is, this is why I might, I might read The Force Awakens before the movie comes out. Maybe. I'm not, but maybe. Also included, of course, is a fa- another famous deleted scene of the sandstorm after they left Jabba's palace. They shot that stuff, didn't use it. It's in the book as well. All right, here it is, page 62. The reason I'm doing this rather long episode, and if you're staying with me, God bless you. More whiskey. Here's what I wanted to talk about. There's so much in this novel about Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, talking to Luke. A voice floated down to him on the dim mist. Yoda and I will always be with you, or be with you always is actually the line, sorry. Sorry. Luke turned around swiftly to see the shimmering image of Obi-Wan Kenobi stand behind him. Ben, he whispered. There were so many, so many things he wanted to say. Why, Ben? Why didn't you tell me? It was not an empty question. I was going to tell you when you completed your training. You told me Darth Vader betrayed Murder. Okay, that's normal. That's normal. It was, Luke's pissed. Ben's defending himself. Your father, Anakin, was seduced by the dark side of the Force. We all know that. We've heard that. But Ben gets into some stuff That's just different in the book It's just slightly different And adds some stuff to it When I first encountered your father Ben continued He was already a great pilot But what amazed me Is how strong the force was with him it, I took it upon myself To train Anakin In the ways of the Jedi My mistake was thinking I could, not be a, could be as good teacher as Yoda I was not Such was my foolish pride Where's Qui-Gon? The Emperor sensed Anakin's power And he lured him to the dark side My pride had terrible consequences for the galaxy. You should not think of that machine as your father. When I saw what had become of him, I tried to dissuade him to draw him back from the dark side. We fought. Your father fell into a molten pit. When your father clawed his way out of the fiery pool, the change had been burned into him forever. He was Darth Vader, without a trace of Anakin Skywalker. Irredeemably dark, scarred, kept alive only by machinery in his own black will. That's it, man. You read that as a kid. You read that the first time around, maybe you were a little bit older. You read that and you were like, whoa, what happened between Anakin and Obi-Wan? What brought it to that point? And where are they fighting where there's a molten pit? Where is there lava in the Star Wars universe? There it is. Prequels, man. It's a lot of it was laid out. A lot of it was laid out so long ago. So long ago. And then of course the big reveal. When your father left, he didn't know your mother was pregnant when he left by you. When he left. Your mother and I knew he would find out eventually. We want, but we wanted to keep you both as safe as possible for as long as possible. Now that is possible in the prequel. We don't see them traveling. We know we know Padme dies, but during that time, when she was giving birth, she could have been saying, "Hey, Obi Wan, we've got to hide these kids. All right, we've got to have a plan. These, I can't. I, he's going to come find me. These kids will be bad for him. That's it's bad. We got to hide these kids." So I can see that. So, Obi-Wan continues, so I took you to live with my brother Owen on Tatooine, and your mother took Leia to live as a daughter of Senator Organa on Alderaan. So, Padme, unnamed at this point in the story, Padme goes and lives with Leia, disguising herself. Who knows? Hiding? Who knows? Pretending to be a, a wet nurse or something. So Leia, when she says, I remember my mother, my real mother, and I have images, she was beautiful and sad, that can make some sense. Maybe she knew at three, four years old that that was her mother, and then maybe Padme died at that point. Who knows what was originally intended, but it's always been interesting, and I grew up in the 80s, saying one, at-at, but two, grew up in the 80s knowing that Obi-Wan and Vader or Anakin fought... And Vader fell into a molten pit. And I was sure of another fact, and that was that Uncle Owen was actually Ben Kenobi's brother. And then the prequels come along, and it was was unaddressed. The prequels come along, and Uncle Owen, he's got nothing to do with Obi-Wan in terms of relations. In fact, Anakin's mother marries... Owen's father, so Anakin and Owen are kind of stepbrothers, and Uncle Owen is a pretty legitimate uncle. Different story. Some of the stuff that Lucas originally intended could have been that much more interesting. Could you imagine if Ben actually had a brother that he found and acknowledged, and then explained some of the the tension that you see in New Hope? That man's just a crazy old wizard. Uh, They... Play it off as it's it's Owen and uh, Anakin having the heat, and they do without a doubt have the heat. But the the, the subtext of Obi Wan having a brother, his brother doing this favor for him because he uh, he knew who Anakin was. But he, I like it. It's weird. It's good. There's also the deleted scene of Emperor of Vader choking an Emperor's Royal Guard that's in there as well. Uh, I don't want to take waste too much more of your time. I've rambled and rambled and rambled on this Friday night. I hope you found some of that interesting. I find it interesting. And I'm sure some of you do out there, too. If you have not had a chance, pick up the novelizations of Star Wars from The Adventures of Luke Skywalker, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. They are quick reads, I'm sure. You will enjoy getting back into the story and seeing it again for a first time from a different point of view. Put it all together. Please do that and tell me the results. And if you've already read them and you've already had the pleasure of growing up with these novels and knowing some of the stuff I did and sitting there in the prequels going, no, no, Uncle Owen is Obi-Wan's brother. What are you talking about? And her mother didn't die. Padme didn't die. She took her to, oh, no, no, no. If you had that experience like I did. Please share it with me. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars and, and talk to me about it on Twitter at Ken Adams. Thank you so much. If you've listened all the way through, and thank you so much for letting me ramble about some of my favorite things in the Star Wars universe on a week-to-week basis. This one went long tonight because I had a lot to say. I didn't mean to read everything from the books, but I'm telling you, they're interesting and and it, it fuels My Star Wars fandom, if you're out there and you've been celebrating Star Wars with me on Jedi Alliance or far, far away or here on Spotlight Star Wars, these novels very much fuel my fandom and my love of it and my understanding of it, which had to change years later because stuff I knew was not true. Stuff I believed. It was mentioned at the canon panel. At Star Wars Celebration, a fan asked, are you going to re-release these books and correct them for canon? And, the, and he specifically re- referenced Obi-Wan and his brother Owen. And and uh, Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo and everyone else kind of laughed and said, there's just no way we're going to change the written word. You'll just have to let it be. And uh, everything in Star Wars is, of course, from a certain point of view, that is uh, Spotlight Star Wars for this week. As always, uh, thanks for listening. Join the conversation on Twitter at Ken Napsok. Spotlight Star Wars is the hashtag. And uh, do me a favor if you're uh, listening for uh, one of the first few times and you found me from Schmoes or Jedi Lions, subscribe to the Knapsack Files podcast feed on iTunes and rate and review. You could also listen on Podomatic and Stitcher. What we do on uh, this podcast feed now is we have a lot of different kind of shows under one roof. It is a journey through my life. Sometimes it's interviews with uh, people I know or people I'm getting to know who have fascinating stories, stories that I think will matter to you. Other times it's talking about Game of Thrones. Other times it's talking about Star Wars. Other times it's me and Alex Welsh talking about his life moving forward. Or sometimes it's uh, me and Alicia will Watching movies and she teaching me about great ones. We will have more. Alicia Malone's film school. Trust me, I promise you, we'll get to it. We are two very busy people, and to find the time to sit down and not just watch a movie, but record a movie, uh, record a show about that movie, uh, it, it proves to be difficult at times, but we definitely have. Uh, that plan for the future so until next time may that force thing sometimes be around you this is Ken kind of suck, and this has been Spotlight Star Wars